Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Amy Sowards, a registered dietitian who is the founder and owner of the Dietitian Institute, intended for the dietitian looking to start their own business. I was graciously introduced to Amy by Libby Rothschild when I was doing some research on CEUs, and Amy was extremely helpful. Then I realized I had done a webinar provided by Amy's business, and I knew I would love to have a conversation with her. Amy is very honest about her path to owning a business and discovering her professional passion because it always wasn't easy and it was not a direct journey. She is now passionate about helping other dietitians prevent those similar mistakes and guiding them in the right direction with her own personal experiences and expertise through training, free webinars, and personal coaching. Please enjoy my conversation with Amy. I think it's pretty straightforward. I've been listening to the podcast, so I think I'm ready. Good, good. Well, I'm excited to talk to you. I know that I see you behind the scenes on a lot of different things, and I just thought it'd be great to get to know you a little bit more and kind of more information about your journey and your business and all the things that you do to help other dietitians, which I think is amazing. So thank you. Yeah. Well, why don't you why don't you take me back to uh, when you decided that dietetics was something that you were kind of interested in going into? Oh, perfect. So I actually started out, I think, from many dietitians that I've talked to, like dietetics and nutrition, that was not our first decision. It was like we kind of found it later, or at least dietitians that I've spoke to. So I actually started out um, in pre-physical therapy. I wanted to be a physical therapist. And that's what I thought I wanted. I wasn't sure, you know, you're young. And I took a nutrition course, which was just part of the curriculum. And I was just like, so excited and would call my mom from college and be like, guess what I learned today about nutrition? And was just like, and I don't know, it was just so exciting. So I was like, oh, and then the teacher was like, oh, you can be a dietitian. I was like, done. So really, it came from just having a really fantastic um, basic nutrition teacher who, and that was not my life's journey. It was not my path in my mind. I didn't even know what a dietitian was because it was, you know, probably that would have been like 20 plus years ago when I first started out. So it was not something that was really a clear, you know, path for me. Where did you go to school? I went to Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia. And they had a dietetics program there for you to attend? They did. Yes. That's nice because sometimes Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen so seamlessly. Right. Well, that's interesting. So when you, so when did you kind of, you were physical therapy. So did you do that for a little while and then switch or did you kind of just switch right away and then you were fine for the rest of your undergrad? I switched right away. So I was taking all of like the undergraduate courses, which were very much in line with the, the dietetics curriculum. So I really only had to take a few like beginner classes that I had missed, like things that just weren't on that same like curriculum path. So it was actually pretty good. So it was, you know, they're all so science, you know, chemistry, biology based. I'd already done a a lot of that. So it was just about like picking up a few classes that the nutrition related classes that I had missed in like the first year. Perfect. Perfect. And then the internship, where did did you stay there? Did they have an internship opportunity there or did you spread your wings? 
No, I didn't spread my wings. Luckily, they did have an internship opportunity, which was nice. It was a really great internship because it was very diverse. It was not a lot of, um, I think internships are very much like clinical based or this is what you do. Like we had clinical rotations, but we had a lot of community, a lot of food service. So it really was like a mixed bag. You got to see everything. I got to put my hands in like really almost all aspects of working as a dietitian, which I thought was super helpful to kind of like figure out what you wanted to do. Sure. And what did you find yourself kind of drawn to at that time? I really liked community. But when you when I was finishing up, they were like, Oh, you should do clinical first, like start clinical. So that's the path I went because I was like, Okay, I'm gonna take the advice of the people here. And, you know, it's like get that clinical experience under your belt, work at a hospital, because then you can branch out. And you'll always have that clinical experience to fall back on. Do you kind of still feel the same way? I mean, I know as an older dietitian and me too, do you kind of still think clinical is a good place to start out? I don't actually. I mean, I think if that's what, as you're going through your internship, if that's what you really, really enjoy, I think it's, it's probably the easiest path to start on because most hospitals will have some entry-level dietitian positions. So I don't think it's a bad place to start, but I think Many dietitians, they know like that's not really what they want to do. They want to work for themselves or they really like working in groups in a community setting. So I say, you know, if you have had the experience and you know what you enjoy, just, you know, start your path there. You don't have to do the two to five years of clinical experience and then branch out. I think it's, you know, do what you really enjoy and what really like kind of calls to you. I feel the same way, too, because I think it's changed that you don't and I like you're right I think jobs are very easily accessible at that entry level clinical position and that when you want to when you get out of school you're like I just want a job <laughs> so just want money so, right yes. <laughs> I have so college I, loans to pay off <laughs> yeah that's yeah that ever looming college college <laughs> debt so but I think I I the more people I talk to you know kind of in your expertise too is that you don't have to you don't have to do something just to do something anymore in our profession. And I think that's a really great message. Me too. So I after, agree. Yeah. After the internship, how long was the internship, by the way? It was a full year. So we started in August and then we ended at the end of July. Okay. Did you have, did you have that? I just needed a, a job <laughs> feeling when you got done. I did because my dad was the youngest of three girls. And my dad was like, as soon as you're done with college, I'm going to retire. (laughs) So I was just like, I'm on it, dad. I want you to be able to retire. And it was literally like I got my graduated, finished my internship, had a job offer in hand. And he was like, I'm retiring. So I did feel that way. It wasn't I didn't feel, you know, which, you know, my parents were great and they helped out where they could. But I felt like, okay, you you're you're a college graduate now. You have to take care of yourself. So I did take. You know, I did interview for some jobs, but I did feel a lot of pressure to just jump in and get a job right away and not take any time off. So let's talk about, you know, just first job experiences. And you can just kind of take me up to maybe when to where you are now and all the things that you're doing with your own business. Oh, perfect. Um, So I have to and I don't necessarily recommend what I did, but I was kind of a job hopper. And I tell people this. I was never 
satisfied. So my first job and, you know, it's not great for a resume. And if you don't, I knew that I eventually wanted to work for myself. I wasn't sure what that meant, but I knew like, was that private practice? Was that consulting? Was that writing? Like I always knew that was down the road. Um, so when I first started working, like I started in clinical and I did that for about, I did that for my two years, which they tell you to do. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I'm not really loving this. So I took a job as a food service director, which was, I always say the best and the hardest year of my life. I did it exactly one year and I was not prepared. I was like the food service director for a very small long-term care facility. And I was their dietitian too. So it was like, Oh wow. 16 hour days. There was a span of three weeks where I didn't have a day off and had been working like 16 hour days because I was the dishwasher when the dishwasher called off (laughs) and I still had to go to all of the, and you know, this was not, and this was me being young and not knowing any better, not asking the questions. It was just like, Oh, you'll oversee the kitchen. And I thought, Oh, okay. I've, I've done food service. I've seen how this works, but you know, it was a very high turnover facility and it wasn't, these weren't questions that I asked. So it was a great experience because I learned how to manage people and I learned how to like, budget your time because I really was wearing like so many different hats and I did that for a year. And then I was like, okay. And then, um, you know, one of the nurses worked there. She's like, are you happy? And I was like, no, I'm really not happy. And she was like, you have, so she actually gave me a number. She's like, I have a friend, they're looking for a dietitian. So then I moved into a, it was a long-term care, but I was just a dietitian and I traveled to a few facilities and I did that for a year or two. And then I was offered a corporate consulting job for long-term care. And then I moved into that. And that's where I was able to really um, start getting my own contracts. Like I was realizing, I'm like, these people charge a lot of money to these facilities. And like, they're just the middleman. And I was like, oh, you know, I think this is something I could do. So I started like branching out and doing my own consulting from there and like writing menus and just picking up little jobs here and there until I was able to build my own business. So really where I started was consulting for correctional facilities, home health, long-term care assisted living. But all of that came really from just kind of like, you know, I guess the job hopping, like going from one job to the other, just trying to find, you know, what I really wanted to do. Did you, that's interesting. Cause like, as a, what is a, what does a corporate consultant do for long-term care facilities? So I would do, I would go into any facility where like the dietitian needed extra assistance if they had a really high volume of admissions, because in long-term care, it's really moved into not just people go there and it's like a facility where they can, you know, kind of live out the rest of their days. It's a lot of rehab to home. So what they had seen was they didn't have the pool of dietitians, like they would go from having like 10 admissions a month to 10 to 20 admissions a week. So I would go in and be like support staff. And then I would do all of the um, audits. So I would make sure that they're ready for state compliance. I would do the kitchen audits to make sure that the kitchen was in compliance. So I would travel around with the corporate team, just kind of doing whatever they needed, which was, I actually really enjoyed that experience because it was like some weeks I didn't know where I was going to be at. I'd be like, okay. And then I would get my schedule like, Hey, can you be here? And they paid for your hotel. So it was kind of nice. You felt a little oh, fancy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm staying in hotels. Like if you're with, if you're with the, the bigger wigs with the corporate, like they would take you out to dinner and that was really nice too. But if you were by yourself, if you just happened to be working alone, 
they would, there was a limit to how much money you could spend on food. But it was, <laughs> it's like, you know, you have a $25 cap. But then if you were with like the head corporate people, you're like, I don't think they have a cap because no. they're, they're drinking a lot of wine. <laughs> That's not cheap. <laughs> and they have a corporate credit card. I didn't have that. But it would just be really whatever they wanted me to do. So it really taught me flexibility and interacting with people you know, different people, because you would go into a facility with people you had never met and have to really build rapport. And, you know, because you may be there for two weeks, just really helping them with their clinical experience or making sure that they're ready for a state audit. So it was a really great experience. Huh. I didn't even know that really existed. I mean, I kind of have seen positions like that, but mm-hmm. I guess I didn't think they were super appropriate for registered dietitians. I thought maybe more like a nursing, more focus type of job. Yeah, well, there was a lot of nurses on the team. There was only a handful of dietitians. And it, I'm, I'm originally from West Virginia, so I think it's a very rural state. And I think that's why it worked in that state, because you may not have a dietitian in a rural area that could even service, and they would have like three facilities. So I think that's why it was really a good fit, because then they could just send you there to do until they could get somebody maybe part-time that could, you know, come in once a week. And so I think that's how it was, how it worked because of the, the makeup of the state. Like you just didn't have a large concentration of dietitians, especially in the areas where they had facilities, which did happen to be more out of the way facilities. Interesting. Well, and that's where you got the glimpse of, oh, well, I could, I could be a contract dietitian and I could be making this kind of money. And, and I think, you know, that's a very interesting feel or just area like correctional facilities and menus and things like that, <laughs> that people don't, they just don't think about. Cause I've been contacted to do a correctional facility and I, you know, I was completely clueless. I was like, I don't, what do I do? What do I do for this? So maybe talk a little bit more about how, you know, did you have experiences in those or did you just kind of learn along the way teaching yourself? It was 100% teaching myself. I never had experience. And I know they love to say like, it's okay to say no to opportunities that don't fit your plan. But at that time, I was so early in my career. I didn't have a plan. I didn't know. (laughs) My plan was to pay the bills. I'm like, okay. like, And and it was kind of fun to just do um, just different types of things. And I really enjoyed that. And that's what I learned is I actually liked being in different places and different areas because it really gave you a feel for everything but it really started out it was very word of mouth like I started out I was asked by a nurse she was like oh you're a dietitian can you write menus for my brother-in-law's assisted living and I was like absolutely and then he gave my name to a home health agency and then they passed my name along to someone else and then some of it was me just like contacting you know sending a brochure of what i did but a lot of it was just like oh i i know someone who needs a dietitian and they own a home health or they um you know they have something that they need dietitian work for the correctional facility was just an ad in the paper they needed a dietitian and I saw it and at first was like, mm, I don't know about that. Do I want to work in a prison? Like, this might be scary. And then it ran again and it was really kind of out of the way. So I just called and inquired and they didn't even like, it was just a short interview on the phone and they were like, here's what we pay. And it was just like, and now those positions are a little more hard to come by because correctional facilities are now being their food service, they're getting more corporatized food service. So Mm. as a consultant, those positions are a little more difficult to get, but it was just the, what they wanted to pay for what you had to do. And you're thinking like, 
what do I educate um, someone on that's in that's in a correctional facility? But a lot of them were this particular one was, you know, they were going to be released in six months to a year. So they had diabetes or they had had weight gain. So it was really just kind of like teaching them what they needed to do once they were on the outside. But it was, I mean, they were, I always say they were my most compliant. Of really? <laughs> they were very polite. I mean, there was a guard there. So if anyone's ever offered that position and it's just very scary, there was a guard that was always available. So I felt very, very safe. And it was actually just, you know, it's a fun thing to tell people. It's like, oh yeah, I've worked in a prison before. And they look at you like, what? You did? What did you do there? <laughs> What did you do? Exactly. But it's like, you know, I, you know, a lot of it was just seeking opportunities. And then at some point, people just knew your name and that's what you did. And and they would start contacting you, which was really nice. Do do you mind me asking what, where were you at this time when this kind of started snowballing for you? Oh, what do you mean? Where was I? Your geography. What was the state that you were in? Oh, I was still in West Virginia at that time. So it was, you know, I do think geography played a big key role because, like I said, lots of rural areas. So I was willing to travel and just get in the car and drive for two hours to be somewhere, work for four and then drive two back and just tell them in the contract, like, you know, that you're not going to be able to get someone to come here but I'm willing to drive four hours, but you, I'm only going to work four hours. I'm not going to have longer than like a nine hour day. That was always my cap. And they were very willing to accommodate that and pay for that, which was nice. That's a good point to bring up too. Like if you do some travel time with your own business, like if you can include that in your contract when you negotiate. Mm -hmm. I always encourage people like negotiate. You have the power to negotiate like they you're there they're interested in you they need someone and if you can show to them that you're going to be the best fit and the hardest worker like it's okay to ask for extra you know all they can the worst that'll happen is they say no sure i think we're scared of that though do you feel like mm-hmm. dietitians are scared of to ask more questions and to ask more of what they they think they're worth Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, and I've read some studies, women do tend to be more timid in that, in that way. And, and, you know, we are female, you know, I know it's changing, but we are largely female and it's like, we just don't want to rock the boat. We don't want people to think that we're greedy or we're just doing it for money. But in reality, it's like, we do want to get paid what we're worth. And it's like, if we don't ask for more, then we're really hurting. This is what I tell people. Like, you're really hurting the next person in that position, the next dietitian or other dietitians, because you've set that bar. And if you set the bar too low, then it's harder for the next person that comes in to really get the money that this position's worth. That's a good point. I never thought of it that way, but that's a great point to think about who might take <laughs> the next, who might be the next in line and how are you going to set them up for success as well? Right. Huh. That's some food. That's some good food for thought. I like that. A oh, lot. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so as you were kind of getting these contract positions, is that when you kind of tr- transitioned into more of your own, you know, private practice, private practice, I would call it, or were you still working your full time job and doing this for quite a while? I did the consulting and the full time work. And I always say I did it for way too long. I probably did them both for about a year and a half, which was just way too long. Like I was making 
enough money to quit, but it was just that fear of like, if one or two contracts would go away, then what would I do next? But then at some point I was like, okay, I'm just working 60, 70 hours per week and this has to stop. I need a life. So I did it for about a year and a half and then I fully transitioned to working for myself. And then that's when I started to pick up also private clients um, on the side, which was not something that was originally part of the plan. It was just like, oh, this will be something fun to do. It was always just, I would not recommend for people to do it. It was just, I didn't have this clear cut idea of exactly what I wanted to do. And usually that doesn't work. I was just very lucky in the fact that, you know, I was willing to put in the hard work and just, you know, like, oh, I'm going to start seeing private clients now. How do I do that? And I would just research it. And then I would throw up a website and like, okay, let's see. And then let's market it. And, and it worked. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. I mean, I think it's great that you are saying this isn't the way you should do it, but it worked out for me because sometimes it does work out, which is good. When you kind of started your developing your own business, do you now looking back, are you like, you know, it's better to have a clearer idea of the the direction you're going or what kind of first steps looking back now, would you recommend to someone maybe thinking about doing the same thing you did? Oh, definitely have an idea in mind of where you want to end up. But I do think that's hard sometimes because we don't always know where we want to end up. We, I knew that I wanted to work for myself and I didn't know what that looked like. So I think the path for me was actually really good because I was able to try on different hats. And the one thing that I did know is that I like to do different things. I can't just do the same thing over and over again. So to just be in private practice and see one type of client is not what I want. So I think knowing what you want, but also knowing what you don't want. And if you just don't like monotony, like that's okay. You can figure out how to tailor what you want to do to avoid that monotony. And so, you know, have a clear path, know who you want to work with, know really who you want to help. You know, I think some people always start from the money aspect. They go, oh, well, if I go down this path, this is where people make the most money. And I I usually think that's a mistake because you may not love that path. And if you don't love, you know, what you're doing, it's really hard to self-motivate if you don't love it. It's really hard if you're the one who has to get out of bed and be like, okay, this is what I have to do today, but it's not what I love. So figure out what you love, figure out what you absolutely don't want to do and just kind of like try it on and just start to move down that path and just see how it works out, knowing that your path will probably change because most people in business, if they set a five-year plan in the very beginning, by the time they get to five years, that five-year plan is going to be very different than where they've started because they've learned so much. So I think a lot of it is really just kind of like dipping your toes in the water and figuring out you know, what you really want, because a lot of times you just don't know until you get there. But, you know, having an idea of where you want to end up, you can kind of map it out as you go. That's true. And I think it's true. Like you said, you you can't do things that you don't really enjoy because you won't you won't want to do them. (laughs) Your day will not be positive if you started out going, oh, man, I have to see this diabetic patient again. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So talk to me more about then how did you, how was your transition? So are you still kind of working very, you like all that variety and you like different things. When did the RDN Academy come about and maybe talk some more about that? Yeah. So one thing that people did ask me when I was doing the consulting and I had like, you know, 
was seeing private clients, like other dietitians that I knew or, you know, just friends are like, well, how did you do that? And I was like, oh, it's not that hard. They would say like, well, how did you negotiate to get paid what you're worth? Or how did you take those first steps? And that's when I started thinking, I was like, you know what? I bet I could create continuing education modules for dietitians based on these questions, because I would see those questions too on a lot of the listservs. Like, how did you start down this path? So that's when I started um, doing the continuing educations, which was RDN Academy, which is now Dietitian Institute. I just changed the name. Um, right. You did. I did see that. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so yeah, it was really just a matter of people were asking the questions and I thought, you know, I have this experience that I can share with people. So why not share it? And it really was just, and con- continuing education, if you can add that on, people love that. It's just an added bonus. So that started probably like eight years ago is when I jumped in to that arena. And it just really grew in popularity. Like I was kind of shocked at how interested people were. And, you know, I would just put a continuing education out there and people would buy it. And it really kind of blew my mind. I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll create this and it'll just be one other stream of income for me. And it's really turned into be my biggest stream of income is doing the continuing educations and just working one-on-one and coaching dietitians who want to be more productive or want to be in business. So I do still see a few private clients on the side, but I don't do any more consulting anymore. Okay. Do you, so the continuing ed thing, and we got connected through Libby because of that kind of sort of with the continuing education. And I mean, like, how does that, I wouldn't have even thought about that before, you know, I would not have even given it a thought. So how do you create, how does someone get that whole realm of continuing education? And how do you follow trends of what you think is what dietitians are needing right now? Oh, that's a great question. So I think what really put it in my head was the fact that I didn't see a lot of other dietitians teaching business. I mean, there was a few, but I was like, when I was looking for information, when I was starting out, I it wasn't available. So I was like going to other sources and I was like, I really would love if there was a dietitian who I could learn from. And that just wasn't available. And so that's really why I think I started on that path because I thought there's definitely a market here. But I really just took, I mean, it's a lot of, you know, when it comes to basic business, that stuff really doesn't change that much. Like, you know, what are the business structures? You know, what do you have to have in place to get started for a business? Um, the marketing piece definitely changes. Um, so I just, I just love to learn. So I'm constantly listening to podcasts and I have people that I love. Um, like Marie Forleo and Amy Porterfield that I'm always like, they're always on like the cutting edge of everything growing your business. So I'm always learning from them and implementing in my own business. So it's, I don't ever teach anything that I've not personally done or known somebody that has personally done it and seen their success. So really it just comes from educating myself and learning, which I think whatever you do in life, you have to keep learning. You have to keep reading and listening to podcasts and, and really staying fresh. And that's, you know, for people that don't have the time, I'm can take all this great information that I love to learn anyway, just kind of like make it usable for them. And that's the time thing. You know, I've talked about that over and over how it's your biggest currency. And, and I think that's great that you're creating an, a place where dietitians can can give themselves some t- 
time management, a little bit time back by not having to listen to podcasts or go out and do the research. So we love having people like you that are so willing to to keep learning and, and using and finding those areas that you can just condense and be like, here you go. Here's a nice shiny, shiny package for you. <laughs> yeah. I just love to learn. And at first I thought, oh my gosh, I'm probably taking too much time learning, but it's actually been really good now. So it's like, okay, this pays off now. Sure. Do you kind of schedule time in your week to, you know, like this is my learning time and this is my work time. And do you do that for yourself? I do. It's part of the week. So when I schedule my week, I don't have like the same things I do every day because I don't always know when things are going to pop up. But on a Sunday, I'll sit down and be like, okay, like Wednesday between two and five, this is when I'm going to dig into this book that I want to read or listen to these podcasts or go through this program. So it's definitely part of the agenda for the week. That's good. I think you need to do that though. If that's something you you feel as part of just helping you grow and to continue to learn, you have to schedule time. Right. Anything you don't schedule, it's so easy to put it off. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) You're like, there's so so many more fun things. And not that I don't love learning, but you can find other things to fill that time if it's not like concrete on your schedule. Absolutely. Do you, do you find yourself as podcast? One of the main things that you like to get information from? Um, it has been lately because you can do it while you're in the car, you're getting ready in the morning, you go for a walk. So it's just nice um, to put it on. And it, it's it can be a little daunting sometimes because you want to absorb all of it. But I learned if I can just put it on in the background, like I'll get little nuggets here and there. So even if it's not in scheduled time, it's just something that I like to do just to kind of like, you know, have some background noise. But there's always like good information that you can get to. And it sounds like you like to read as well. I, I always say I'm a little bit of a junkie. Like I have so many books. Like my husband put me on a diet, like a, a, a book diet. He was like, you can't buy any more books until you read this stack that you've had here. And I'm like, that's probably really, it's a great, thank you. Because it was great because I was just buying more and more and getting overwhelmed. And I was like, okay, I'm a little bit of a, a book diet because I'm going to have a problem. <laughs> That's hilarious. The dietitian is on a book diet. That's <laughs> no, <laughs> no other diet, but a book diet. <laughs> so talk to me about how, what is a session with a dietitian like that you help or you help coach? What does that look like? Oh, yeah. So when they sign up, we do six months. So the first session really is just kind of digging in and make them fill out a pretty extensive questionnaire about, you know, where they're at and where they want to be at. And really, we start from there. So I don't have like a concrete formula for each session. It's really like letting them guide, you know, guide the conversation in some ways. Like, how are you feeling you know, what are you doing? What feels good today? It's, you know, it's a little touchy feely, I guess, but in some ways it really helps people determine where they want to be because I don't want to tell people what to do. And I know um, a few of the clients I've worked with have had other business coaches that have been like, this is what you need to do because this is where the money's at. And here's this very clear concrete plan. But I don't particularly like that because I think that people need to kind of explore for themselves. So we'll just go into you know, kind of making that plan the first session that we get together. It's like, okay, let's look at the big picture. And then every week is just taking a piece of that big picture and breaking it down and then giving them some accountability. Like, okay, what are you going to work on? You know, what can I help you with? 
And then they walk away because everybody's at a little different point in their journey or they want to do different things. Some people want to be in private practice. Some people just want to do online group education. Some people want to create courses and do continuing education. So it's like we just work with what they want to do. And we kind of just break down the steps. Like, where are you at? Where do you want to be? Okay, here's the steps. But let's do it in the way that's going to work for you and your time. That's I like that personal because I, I always wondered, like, how does someone choose a business coach? And how does someone find that right fit? You know, it's kind of like an interview session between myself and a business coach and probably the same for you because some clients might not work the best with your philosophy and vice versa. So I like that you kind of get more personal with them because I think dietitians are warm and fuzzy. Do you kind of get that way? Get that feeling? (laughs) They are. And in the best way. And yeah, and some people do definitely, they're like, well, what's the plan from week to week? And I'm like, well, there's not one. And some people don't like that. And that's fine. And I just tell them there's definitely coaches out there that will do that. But I just feel like when a plan is too strict, like life always happens. And the minute that you don't feel well or you have a few off days or your kid gets sick, like the plan kind of falls apart and that's not good for people. So that's why I like to kind of keep it open. And and if people don't like that, I just tell them up front. And I'm I'm more than happy to be like, oh, hey, here's a coach and they're much more concrete. And I think they'll be a great fit for you. I think just as with dietitians, if you think a client's not going to be a good fit, like refer them out and they'll be happy. They'll think better of you. It's like, don't, don't make your services to fit everyone because then you're going to work with clients and you're not going to be happy. They're not going to be happy. So I think it's a good fit for everyone this way. How often do you, you usually have calls with your clients? So we usually do every other week. So is usually how it breaks down. So they get two calls per month. So it's usually every other week. So we're touching base every other week and then they can email me in between times. If something comes up, if there's a question, And then they email me their homework, as we call it. And so it's like, they're like, here's what I've done. And this is what I still have to do. So it kind of helps people. A lot of it really is giving some guidance, but it's really about a lot of that accountability and focus, which we all, I mean, I struggle with it too. I have a business coach that keeps me on track. We all have to have someone. And I'm like, because I will fall into those same traps where it's like, oh, you know, you could find so much to fill the time. I I was going to ask if your husband was your business coach since he put you on a book diet. (laughs) (laughs) He is not. He is in the business world. He does have his MBA. But and he's really great to give me like he's always great to listen and give me feedback. But I think, you know, it's nice to have that separation. (laughs) Sure, sure. Well, I was that's interesting because you did touch on that because I was going to ask if you had a business coach and I've been kind of seeing more people discussing the really great benefits of having a business coach and maybe talk to me. I know you said that accountability is a huge thing and I think everyone in life needs accountability, but what are some other benefits of having a business coach just to kind of help you stay more focused, but also what are the other benefits? It's so when you work for yourself and you're in charge of everything, it's so easy to not look at the big picture. Like you really need someone there to ask you the questions of like, is this part of the big picture? You know, is this serving you in the future? 
is this the client you want to work with? So it's nice to have that sounding board and someone to, you know, really keep you on track. And, and so you don't veer off or chase some shiny object, which we're all very prone to do. It's like, <laughs> oh, this looks like a fun thing. I'm going to go down this path. And it's like knowing that you have that person to just get feedback from and go, okay, do you think this is a good idea? And then they'll, they'll ask you those questions. If you have a good coach, they'll ask you questions. They won't just say yes or no. They'll be like, okay, well, let's explore. Is this good for you? So my business coach is really great if I have an idea. And I have this wonderful tendency to make everything way more difficult than it needs to be for me. <laughs> and I'm like, how can I do this? Like, here's these 400 steps. And then she'll be great. She's like, okay, let's see what we can remove and what's not necessary. So she's really good to kind of pull out what I don't need. But it's so funny, like I would do the same thing for my clients. Like I would recognize it immediately if they were doing it. I'd be like, okay, let's pare back. And for me though, but when I go to do it myself, I'm like, oh, okay, how can I make this the most difficult for myself? And so having that person to kind of rein me in is nice. That's so interesting how you're very different in your professional coaching and then your own personal coaching. You're completely opposite. (laughs) Right. Well, I think that's, I think most people are really great at, you know, giving advice and seeing what other people should do. But then sometimes for themselves, it's like, oh, like we, we still will fall into those traps. But knowing that you do it is like where the beauty is, like knowing that's what I do and then having someone to be like, okay, talk me off the ledge. That's that's the power. The power is right in that knowing that you need that help to to move on to the next step. Right. And I I like the idea of your business because you do things so personally. But do you kind of find that there are some common themes that you that clients are coming to you with or things that they want to accomplish? Oh, definitely. People want they all want to do something that matters. Most everyone that I work with, they all say. I just don't get to work in the capacity that I really want to work. They don't get to be as creative as they want to be. They don't get to work with the type of client they want to work with. They have to work in such like constraints. They're like, well, I know this person would benefit from this particular approach, but I can't teach it because I have to teach this very, you know, not that it's not clinical based or science based, but they're thinking like, I really love intuitive eating. And that's the approach I want to take. But I'm working at an acute facility and that's not, you don't have time for that. That's not what I get to do. So the main theme is people, they just want to do the work that makes them happy and work with the people that makes them happy. And they get to really be creative. I see that with a lot of people too. They just want to, you know, really showcase their creativity and just being handed the work and being told like, here's your nine to five, you know, this is what you have to do in these time constraints. It's like, it just gets a little, you know, it just, it's not fun after a while. So I think that's the big thing that people like the main theme for people that I work with. Makes sense. It very much makes sense. And again, I think that's a lot about our profession that we're trying to branch out and we're trying to do new, try different things and, and be open about doing different things and just that nine to five which is why I love our profession. I think it's just exciting. Right. Do you find that it's difficult to get clients? You know, do you ever worry about not being able to pay the bills or, you know, does it ebb and flow for you? Maybe talk about that business side. Yeah. I haven't felt that way 
in a couple of years. I've I've learned now. I do feel summer does tend to be a slower time for me, just because, just like with most professions, people are going on vacation. They want to spend their money on you know fun activities, or their kids are home and they're like, okay, I don't have the time to invest in coaching or a program. So I do tend to take more of that time for myself to kind of prepare. And so that's more of a preparation time for me during the year. It's like, okay, what am I going to launch in August? What am I going to do between August and December, which happens to be a really busy time for me. And so once you've been in business a while, you start to learn there will be times when you, you're you not as busy and that's okay. And so you just focus on other things and you just know how to budget your money throughout the year. <laughs> you go, okay, no, I'm not going to make as much. So we'll, you know, from, we'll, we'll save up from the rest of the time. Do you help, do you help coach on that as well? Cause you know, I think money is a big issue. Do you kind of have to help coach on, on money situations with some individuals? I do because people, it's either two schools of thought. People either have this big fear that even if they have a nice steady stream of clients, that it will all go away, which is the fear that I used to have. And then there are people who get their first client are like, I'm quitting my full-time job. I just got one client. I'm like, oh, let's hold on. Let's, hold on. let's wait a second here. <laughs> Let's wait till you have a few more clients and then maybe drop to part time. And then like, let's, let's have a plan. <laughs> let's not just jump immediately into the deep end. Um, but yeah, it's like I always tell people like track your numbers. Tracking is so important. Track everything that you do. You know, when are clients coming in? Why are they coming in in that time frame? Did you do something special? Um, is there a particular physician? or a nurse practitioner that's giving you a lot of referrals. Like how can you build that relationship? Like tracking so important. And I think that helps too. If you know where your, how your clients are coming in, you don't have as many ebbs and flows because you can really get real strategic with those, the avenues that are working for you. And so that's what I tell people is like, that's how you can kind of like curb those ebbs and flows. Cause what happens is when people have huge ebbs and flows, is they take clients and they get a little they get a little slack in their marketing and they're not really promoting themselves and marketing themselves and then ultimately they don't have as many clients coming in and then they have to gear, you know ramp up the marketing so really being consistent with the marketing and knowing if there's just times that are going to be a little slower and budgeting for that but don't get don't get too excited but if you have like a nice steady stream of clients that's when you can kind of start thinking about you know pulling back from work but not just with one client <laughs> sure sure that makes sense and then did you i mean i know that you know as a dietitian we're very much versed in you know interviewing and motivational kind of probing people, but did you do anything specifically for business coaching, like class, like taking a class yourself or educating yourself on how to be a good business coach just to help people better? Yeah. Lots of reading. Lots of reading. Yes. <laughs> lots of reading must. about you know, coaching and then having my own coach too was helpful. So I knew how she approached me and I really liked her approach. So I was able to kind of channel that into my own clients. So I can't say that I did like a particular coaching program, but you know, a lot of it's just, you know, my own experience and then working with another coach myself and just really, you know, and it's been working with people. It's a great experience too. I think my clients are my best teachers because I'm very like, tell me what you need. Like, what more can I do for you? And like, so I've learned so much for them too, because they're so open with the process. 
Interesting. Well, and I don't even know if there is, I'm sure there probably is a business coach, you know, some type of a class or something you can do. But I really feel like, again, experience is where we get our best education. Right. I agree. As you know, you just said you changed your name of your business, which is, is it Dietitian Institute or Dietetics Institute? Dietitian Institute. Dietitian Institute. So talk to me about the future of the Dietitian Institute and kind of what entities you said you're doing coaching, but I know you're doing like webinars and you're doing, you're still doing your CEU opportunities. How do you kind of facilitate that and get that message out? Uh, So I really, you know, it's like I, from the beginning have grown a nice email list, which I always encourage, like email is so important to have that way to directly communicate with your audience. And so I build that through the webinars and people are so kind. Like I have such a great audience in the fact that they are happy to share the opportunities, the free webinars that I do. And so that's really a big way that I get the message out there. Um, social media is growing in importance. I don't think it has to be your main channel because some people are just like, I don't like social media. I don't want to spend the time on it. I do think it's an important part of your business, but it doesn't have to be the end all be all, but it definitely needs to be a part of the strategy just to kind of, you know, get to those clients that may not hear about you otherwise. So those other dietitians. Um, but the future for the Dietitian Institute, I'm really excited. I'm working on moving into some certification programs, which I'll have more details. That'll be, that's the summer when okay. the downtime is. Downtime. So that'll be in yeah. August. <laughs> so working on some certifications um, in intuitive eating and motivational interviewing, like pulling that all together to kind of like create something for dietitians. Cause it's something they're very, very interested in is like really building a business where they can work with clients in that way. So I want to build a certification so they can feel really comfortable like moving into that realm and just more continuing educations and more coaching. That sounds great. I mean, I I feel like it's such a unique way to approach a business. I think it's also great that you started out, you know, working with clients and working with contracts and doing all of that, but how it's kind of morphed into more of how can you help us do all those things that you did yourself. Yeah, I always say like my whole path, even though it was very scattered and like I said, it wasn't terribly planned. I do think it was all leading up to the fact that I wanted to help the profession. That was something I was always very passionate about was really uplifting the profession. Like I always really would be very sad when dietitians said, I don't feel appreciated. I don't feel like I'm getting paid what I'm worth. And I was like, okay, how do we change that? Like, I know that I'm only one person, but if I can change you know, a few people's situations to make them feel more confident to negotiate. Or I always say the more dietitians that work for themselves, the better it is for everyone. Because even if your goal is like you want to do clinical and that's fantastic, whatever your goal is, like it's perfect and amazing for you. But it's like, if there are less dietitians for those hospital jobs, then they have to pay more and they have to really respect those positions because you don't have as many people competing for them. So I think the more diverse we get and the more we put our names out there, the more that we're going to gain even more respect. And that idea of like any type of competition with other people in nutrition is just going to hopefully start to fall by the wayside. Oh, I hope I preach girl. I agree with you 100% <laughs> because I feel the same way I do. And I think 
you're so right about, you know, we don't feel valued, but then we also have that competition with each other. And I think that's a great message just to help people build them up and do what you can to make them. And you are only one person, but you're reaching a lot of people. So that's fantastic. Thank you. Oh, thank yeah. you. Is there anything else that you kind of want to share with my listeners about your business or, you know, anything that you have, any webinars that you have coming up or besides your, you know, certification in August? Yes. So we just launched our mutual friend, Libby Rothschild. We're doing a collaborative coaching, which I'm really excited about um, because she is the queen of Instagram. And so (laughs) she will do her piece of the coaching will be about how to create and brand your Instagram. And then I help people with the productivity piece, like how to find the time because that's, we love to fall down the rabbit hole of social media when we get on there. It's like, oh, we want to look at our friends' pictures and like things. So it's like really being strategic because like I said, social media, it's a it's a part of your marketing platform. And most people struggle because it's just so easy to get sucked into other things once you're on social media that aren't business related. So that's something we just launched last week. So that's something exciting. And they can find that on your website and any information yeah. about it. Okay. Yeah. Just they go to dietitianinstitute.com and then just look under the work with me tab and they'll see um, make time for social is what it's called. Okay. Awesome. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Just if anyone's interested. And I really, Thank I'm you. kind of like, I, I agree with you about the business coach thing. I have one myself and it's been very helpful just to kind of, again, think out of the box, but also have someone ask you the questions and keep you accountable. And I think that's great that you're doing that for other registered dietitians. We need more of it for sure. (laughs) Yes. Well, I, well, I am so thankful for all your wisdom that you provided today, but I, I know I asked you a lot of hard questions. So how about some more easy questions that I can ask (laughs) (laughs) that are a little bit fun questions to end our conversation. What is, what is your favorite food? Oh, peanut butter. That's so boring, but I love peanut butter (laughs) so much. All flavors, all types, crunchy, smooth. It doesn't matter. You just love peanut butter. It's not boring. I don't think that's boring at all. <laughs> I think peanut butter is getting kind of it's gotten kind of exciting because there's so many different varieties even anymore. Right. <laughs> Do you have a favorite beverage? Oh, now this really is boring, but it's absolutely just water. Like I mostly just drink water. I don't drink coffee. I had to give up coffee years ago because I would just get horrible headaches. Oh, you would. Um, I know. I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous when people are like, start your day with coffee. I'm like, I wish. I just have to self-motivate. No more caffeine. Um, but just water and the close second would be white wine. White wine. Those are both lovely. They're clear. They're both clear. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you have a favorite scent or smell? Ooh, all things lemon would be my favorite scent or like fresh baked bread. Oh, oh, that's delicious. I love that yeah. smell. <laughs> lemon, lemon is so clean and it just, anytime you smell it, you're like, oh, it's just clean. Everything's clean. Even if it's not everything. <laughs> exactly. Just spray a little lemon and you'll think you've just cleaned. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need, I always have a lemon candle cause I'm always, cause if I have guests come over, I'll light it. And mm-hmm. then I think I cleaned the house before they came and I didn't. <laughs> so it's perfect. Oh, perfect. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I'm do you use that? Do yeah, that's that's my trick. <laughs> do you have a favorite color? Um, 
Oh gosh, this one's it's for different things. I have favorite color. So if I'm wearing clothes, it's so silly, but it's like, I love gray for clothing is my favorite color for decorating. I like red. And then just in general, I like purple. So I don't know. So yeah. probably, I guess I don't really have a favorite color. It's very nuanced. It's for different situations. It's a good variety though. You have it. You have it cataloged very well. <laughs> and then what brings joy in your life? Oh, just being able to help people. Like I know that sounds, you know, kind of contrived, but it's like, when people send me an email or I talk to my clients and they're like, here's my big win. Like that makes me so excited. Like I, dietitians who have done my continuing education from years ago, they've sent, they'll send me emails and like, this is what I learned and this is what I was able to do. And it just took my first client. Like that just gives me such just overwhelming joy that I'm just like, oh, I just love it, which keeps me moving forward. It's like, it's so nice to know that you're making an impact and a difference. And it it's not something that I really felt so much when I worked for other people. But now that I get to work for myself, it's just like amazing. That is such a good feeling. I am so excited to talk to you today because you're very inspiring. And I hope cool. the listeners today were inspired too. And, you know, reach out to Amy. I think she's fantastic. And her, you and Libby have done some great things. So thanks for Aww, thank you for being willing to to share the connection. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Absolutely. Well, you have a wonderful day, and we will we will talk soon. I'm sure. Okay, talk to you soon. All right. If you are someone looking for help and guidance regarding starting your own business, I think Amy should be someone you consider as your business coach. You can definitely have a call with her and interview that one-on-one with her and see if she would be a good fit. You can find more about the Dietitian Institute by going to thedietitianinstitute.com. My website, Anne Elizabeth RD, is where you can read my latest weekly wisdom blog post, where I share my current adventures, food I am eating, and my weekly workout playlist of the week. I might also include a really delicious, real deal, really easy recipe. And I always like to share what I am loving right now. You will find all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with my favorite people. And you can also purchase my book from the website, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What? Please connect with me on social media by finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at AnnelizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.